I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Excited to hear about what she's got to tell us about so that we can be forewarned. Hey, Vicki, what's going on? Hi, Patty. Well, as you know, during the course of my work, I get a lot of information on scams from lots of different sources. And one is a newsletter called Scam Graham. And their first article in their recent newsletter kind of caught my eye. It said, Gold Mine for Scammers. Wow, that kind of does get your attention, doesn't it? So, what do they identify as the gold mines? Well, interestingly enough, social media. Social media, for all of its benefits in connecting people, apparently has a very shady side. According to the Federal Trade Commission, social media is increasingly where scammers go to con us. Well, we certainly have talked about that a lot in context of those romance scams. We know that's where scammers lurk to trap unsuspecting victims. That's right. And complaints about scams that were filed with the Federal Trade Commission in 2021 show that one in four people who reported losing money to a fraud said it started on social media with either an ad or a post or some kind of message. One in four. That's a lot. So Vicki, besides for the romance scams, what other scams begin on social media sites, according to the report? Well, according to the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, they saw a massive surge in reports about investment scams originating on social media, particularly involving bogus cryptocurrency investment. Of course, there was a big scandal about that recently. Now, this might start out as somebody posing as a friend on a social media site, offering you a great opportunity to get in on the ground floor of a good deal. Yeah, and you've talked before about how even in romance scams in the past, it's another way for them to lure victims in by telling them about this amazing opportunity that they're letting them in on. That's right. And Patty, speaking of romance scams, the Federal Trade Commission says that this is the second most profitable scam on social media, where it often starts. And the article also says that new frauds are popping up every day, as we well know. And do they offer tips on how we can protect ourselves? Yes, a couple of things. They suggest that you check your privacy settings and limit who can see your posts. Also, don't reply on site to questionable come-ons from friends. If something seems a bit strange, call or email your friend directly to see what's up. And apparently, it's pretty easy for scammers to set up imposter accounts in other users' names and to trick their existing friends. It really reminds me when we had Judge Eskin on, and he was president of a homeowners association, or someone was claiming to be the president of the association, I can't remember which, and they knew so much about him. They even knew his daughter's name, and they asked him to buy gift cards. Do you remember that? I absolutely do. And that is a perfect example. Unfortunately, in that case, he was suspicious enough to pick up the phone and call the real person who, of course, never asked him to buy gift cards. 
And apparently these email, in quote, friend scams are becoming more and more common. And a lot of people get fooled. As we talked about, even the judge almost got fooled. And that is thanks to the fact that the internet offers a lot of information about us that the scammers can use to make us believe that they really are one of our friends. Right. That's such a good reminder not to put too much personal information up on social media. And it seems to me that young people do that an awful lot more than older people. I'm not sure, but it's really good to be cautious and we need to warn our families about it as well. Absolutely. Really be careful what you put online. And this newsletter contained another example of a really shameful internet fraud. This woman was running an online support group for people whose spouses had recently died. Now, this is a legitimate online support group. And she reported that as of late, her group had been inundated by scammers. And she was quoted as saying, we're not surprised because widows and widowers when older are prime targets for romance and investment scammers. As survivors who are listed in obituaries, they may be easy to locate and target at a vulnerable age and certainly at a vulnerable stage in their life. Some scammers, I would say, have no shame because that's just so cruel to target people who are still grieving the loss of their beloved. I know. It just seems unbelievable, doesn't it? And I came across another example of how loneliness can lead to victimization. This was a story that appeared in Fox News. A daughter shared her father's story in order to warn others about a romance scam. So her dad ran a construction business in the D.C. area, and being lonely, he started looking around on dating sites. And lo and behold, he developed this deep relationship with somebody called Mary. Now, Mary claimed that she was working abroad in Europe, but she seemed to know enough about this woman's father that she sort of keyed into a lot of his interests. That really sounds like a typical romance scam, doesn't it? It's certainly how they start. And the communications were all by text or email. They never once spoke on the phone. So that's very suspicious. And the daughter did get suspicious, but the scammer turned her father against her and other family members saying that they just wanted his money. Well, the scammer herself or himself, we don't know who it was, eventually started asking for money first in small amounts. But Patty, the grand total was $750,000. Wow. Now, when the daughter discovered this, she contacted the FBI and they eventually did round up members of a Nigerian gang who had defrauded hundreds of other victims of upwards to $20 million. And they were able to arrest nine people. But unfortunately, even in spite of those arrests, the daughter has only received $500 so far of the money that was taken from her father. I guess the only good news is that the FBI was able to track down the gang of crooks and maybe less people will get victimized by it. That's right. Unfortunately, by the time any money was recovered for this particular victim, the victim had passed away. But it's always a good reminder that you should report to IC3.gov. That's the FBI's site, because eventually they will be able to put together a task force and go after some of these scammers. No. And Vicki, do you remember I was listening to our last week's show? You talked about a site that got shut down where they sold spoofers phony phone numbers? Yes, exactly. 
And it yeah. must have been advertising for the fraudsters to be able to find it. That is just unbelievable to me. Well, it's a whole industry, Patty. It's a whole industry out there, and there's all different facets. Right. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Patty, speaking of uh, social media websites, this is something that came through Nextdoor, which is a social media website, Santa Barbara Nextdoor. Now, the person who sent this warning is legitimate, but Mm -hmm. here's what he said, and he posted this on Nextdoor to warn his neighbors. He says, I'm a locksmith, and he received a call from a man with a Texas phone number, but who had a foreign accent, like perhaps he might have been from the Philippines. At any rate, he claimed that he had locked himself out of a room in his father's home, and he directed this locksmith to the Samarkand retirement community. Now, this was kind of a big red flag because because only the elderly are allowed to live in that community. They can't rent out a room or give a room, for example, to their son. So when this locksmith got to the apartment at the Samarkand, an elderly gentleman answered the door. The person who had made the request was still on the line on the speakerphone. And he started to tell this old man that he was actually with FedEx and hasn't been able to deliver a package that was intended to be a surprise for this elderly gentleman. So at that point, the locksmith got very suspicious and spoke up and said, well, why are you changing your story? And I'm not going to help you do whatever it is you're trying to do. And then the scammers changed his story again and said, well, actually, this was a plumber who needed access to the room. Oh, no. Well, that one didn't work. Let me try another one. At which point the locksmith said, I'm calling the police and hung up on him. And when the locksmith did call the police, he found out from the police department that this is a very common technique that scammers try and use to gain access. And so everything that was reported was something that was actually is going on. But this is the kicker on this one. Apparently, this scammer called the locksmiths back, not realizing it was the same business. Oh, no. And tried the same scam again. Oh, no. So even though it's big business, some of them are not doing so well. That's good to hear. (laughs) They're not all real successful. That's good. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Vicki. Some of the good news stories can make us chuckle a little bit, but they still give us some really great warnings because I'm sure there's going to be some that are doing the scam that are a little better than that particular scammer. I do have some more good news. Oh, good more. Okay. This is according to the FBI, one of the biggest money launderers in the world, known as, get this, Ray Hushpuppy was just convicted and sentenced to over 11 years in federal prison. Now, Ray Hushpuppy was a Nigerian national living in Dubai when he was captured and extradited to the United States for prosecution. And apparently he engaged in money laundering and business email compromise scams targeting Americans and international victims. And some of the money he laundered went to the North Korean government. So this money does not always go to good places. No. So as a part of his sentence, he was ordered to pay more than $30 million in restitution. So here was a very successful money launderer, but he made the mistake of bragging about his immense wealth on social media and showing pictures of his luxurious lifestyle, all financed by crime, showing off his possessions, including, get this, a $230,000 watch. So 
Yeah, there's always been news stories or funny movies about crooks that show off their stolen yeah. goods and it yeah. can get them into trouble, evidently, in real life. Is yeah, that his real name, Mr. Hush Puppy? <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently that was what he was using on one of his oh, movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's memorable. But would you do business with Mr. Hushpuppy? I not unless he was very cute and had floppy ears. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Vicki, thank you so much for the warnings. If people want to talk to you in person and share their stories, I know you always treat victims with the utmost respect. And we like people to tell their stories just to warn others. How would they get a hold of you? Patty, my direct line is area code 805-568-2442. 805-568. 2442. And I welcome your calls. Yes. And I know you also can guide people where to make reports or what they should do next if they're in the midst of a problem. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I look forward to next week. Thanks, Patty. All right. Bye. Bye.